0: Welcome to the L&M MediLaw podcast. Craig's Case Checker is created to keep you up to speed with the law of medical negligence, whether you're a solicitor, student or curious observer.
1: Hello and welcome to Craig's Case Checker. Now, some of you may be pleased to know that I'm not going to speak non-stop for over an hour. Um, as an alternative, as a reward maybe for all you uh, devoted listeners, I have a very special guest with me today, um, Elizabeth Rose, founder of LNM Medi law MediLaw. And um, today we're going to talk about the case of uh, Patterson versus Lanarkshire Health Board and it's Patterson and others I should add at that point. Now, I want to uh, highlight here that Elizabeth was the solicitor. Uh, for the pursuers in in this case, and the uh, a, a, a successful one at that. So, I think it's um, only apt that we have uh, Elizabeth here to uh, take us through the the decision. Um, you know, general facts and uh, of what is undoubtedly a tragic tragic case um, for the family. But uh, just to take us through what Lord Arthurson uh, also decided in the end, and what were the critical points. Um, in terms of the decision and in terms of negligence and causation et cetera et cetera and uh hopefully from there we can maybe just get discuss a few points uh sort of arising from the uh the decision so no Elizabeth, welcome to the show.
0: Thank you for having me, Craig. It's great to be on um and yes, I acted for this family for for six years in total mm-hmm. um Required a lot of preparatory work, a lot of investigative work, and as you know, involved um, the incredibly sad story of uh, a suicide which took place in the community um, following discharge from an inpatient setting mm-hmm. um, from Here Myers Hospital. Um, it was an extremely sad case, and I think what made this different to some suicide cases is this happened 24 days. After discharge, so there was a significant period yeah. of time between the date of discharge and the the completion um, of suicide.
1: Yeah, that that was a crucial point in the end, wasn't it? Um, yes. I mean, we'll, we'll we'll talk about the precise circumstances, which I think can more or less be summarised uh, as you're uh, doing there. But we, L and M Law weren't exactly looking at um, the the decision to discharge. Was more, as you say, the period of time. Yes,
0: fall. yes. It was to do with really what we would deem as aftercare, um, a support package, um, and whether it was competent. Now, our the main thrust of our argument is that there wasn't a safe care plan for Lynette Giblin, mm-hmm. and if there had been, that this would have avoided um, the suicide. Now, this is fairly controversial, as the defenders felt that you could not apportion responsibility to the cheating psychiatrist for what they perceived as an impulsive act and something that couldn't have been foreseen. Mm -hmm. So it was very much focused on the, the factual sequence of events following the date of discharge, what was said during the discharge plan, what was written down and what was documented and what contact Lynette had with other agencies over that twenty-four day period,
1: yeah, and and I think it's worth adding some context to why the discharge and the follow-up was so um, lacking in the end. Well, why we yes. were critical of it. So, if you if you wouldn't mind explaining uh, just briefly Lynette's uh, mm-hmm. background with with uh, mental okay. health, because as as many will see from the decision, it was quite significant.
0: Yes, so she had EUPD, uh, emotionally unstable personality. Um, disorder which is a condition that can wax and wane and this is quite a chronic psychiatric condition. Um, unfortunately she there was a triggering event um, which deterior- which resulted in a t- deterioration of her mental health and that was a criminal case that she was uh, involved in and which collapsed um, and, and, and and she was the, the, the complainer the, the, the victim in that scenario and unfortunately mm-hmm. the case collapsed and that was a trigger. Um, in terms of her mental health becoming poorer. Um, she then had a period of um, various inpatient admissions and uh, two failed um, discharge in that she had to be brought back to the psychiatric facility because she was unable to cope in the community.
1: Mm-hmm. So there
0: was a significant history of psychiatric illness and what made this... Um, presentation different, Um, the the August presentation different um, was the fact that she was starting to experience psychosis and more active psychosis Um, and this was incredibly distressing for Lynette Mm -hmm. Um, and our argument was that when the feature of psychosis, this should have been heavily monitored um, within the community, uh, and our expert psychiatrist, who was wonderful, Dr. Charles Musters, an mm. excellent consultant psychiatrist, he felt that she merited um, a crisis support package which would have involved things like supervised medication taking so that the, the community mental health team would go out and monitor her taking her antipsychotics, taking her medication, um, and that she should have had a full package of support following discharge now. Unfortunately that didn't take place. Um not only did it not take place, it flew in the face of national guidance at the time. So yeah. there was and, nice sorry, go ahead.
1: Sorry Elizabeth. And and the thing is as well that um from what I can recall from the judgment and just discussing it with you as well, that um she had this significant history of mental health difficulties and the risk of suicide with respect to that tended to fluctuate as well around that time when she was discharged. um, What was Dr Muster's position on that?
0: So Dr Muster's position was that she was always at risk of suicide Mm -hmm. and the Defenders expert um, accepted this. The Defenders expert felt it was a lifetime risk. Mm -hmm. Um, However, Dr Muster's felt it was fairly acute risk in the context of there being several failed Discharged before, and the level of her distress had manifested in more acute ways, in that she was extremely upset on the ward, and she required um, intensive psychiatric care input, um, and she, you know, there was um, restraint, etc., use, which is at the very, very extreme end. of Mm. of mental health support. So this was someone that we believe was very, very much at risk and was very much vulnerable within the community. Mm. And that a a full risk assessment should have been completed and should have been more robust than what it actually was. Um, And NICE guidelines at the time were saying that you needed some sort of follow-up within seven days. Now, as you know, her outpatient appointment went beyond the 24 day mark and by that Mm -hmm. time she had already completed suicide Um, and there was no good clinical rationale that was led from Dr. Vizakala during the proof which indicated a reason from this departure from normal and usual Mm -hmm. practice.
1: Yeah and if I remember rightly with um, the defender's expert, um, forgive forgive me if I get the name wrong, Dr. Muzaffar, is yeah. that correct? Yes. Um, they, they were saying that based on the records in the previous history, they figured that Lynette's risk of suicide was low, but uh, but changed that upon they, hearing yes, physical evidence.
0: Yes. So they changed that to I think moderate or medium mm-hmm. risk um, mm-hmm. during the the course of of, of the evidence. Mm-hmm. Um, They never put it at an acute risk or a significant risk. We disagreed on that. We felt Mm -hmm. there was enough history there because there was previous incidents of self-harm and quite significant episodes of self-harm. So we felt there was certainly a history and a recent history that should have been taken into account when doing a risk assessment. Uh,
1: Yeah, and I I remember as well that uh, it appeared as though the defender's expert, and (laughs) I don't mean to be bashing their experts, we would need to try and take a balanced view here, but in the end, I think one of the flaws of their um, evidence was that in their reports, they had actually omitted uh, a couple of significant entries with respect to Lynette's mental health, and I think involved suicide attempts or self-harm at least.
0: Yes, that's correct. And this is, for practitioners, this is advice I would give anybody. Mm -hmm. Make sure your expert report covers all the medical entries, because if they don't, You are going to be cross-examined on it, and this is what ultimately happened And that Mm -hmm. there were critical entries not reviewed and not contained within the report. So when they were put to the defender's expert, she was on the back foot.
1: Yes, absolutely. Um, And yeah, so it was clear Lynette's history was very significant. There was an acute risk, um, and and we'll come back to this point later, but I think there seemed to be a, a common sense view certainly with the perceivers, that, that the risk was high. Now, we, we, I think uh, the background certainly gives plenty of context to what was ultimately decided here by Dr Vuzikala. So if you could briefly explain what he had decided and why, <laughs> I mean, I, I remember you couldn't really explain his actions, which was unfortunate, I, I believe partly down to caseload
0: It was difficult to understand the rationale of Dr Vuzakala and I Mm -hmm. think one of his responses in Cross was, I don't have an answer for that. So it's difficult to fully understand. I think I I would be speculating because it wasn't clear in his evidence what the position actually was.
1: Mm. I
0: think perhaps there was a diary issue and that he originally wanted to see her within two weeks. That seemed not to be possible, Um, Mm -hmm. and then it went further than two weeks, um, and went almost to four weeks. And and I understand.
1: Sorry, Elizabeth. I understand as well that from the evidence that he and the um, community psychiatric nurse uh, Hume, I think it was, yes, had had discussed this and felt that twenty-four days was appropriate.
0: Yes. Yes. Yes, um, and it was felt appropriate the nurse Hume's appointment be at the same time as Doctor Vuzakala's, mm-hmm. and I, I think our experts felt that was unusual, and I think Doctor Misafa thought that was also unusual yeah. that the, the the CPN appointment because bear in mind the CPN supports is very much a community support, mm-hmm. it's a yeah. community psychiatric nurse, but, yeah. um, and they are able to go to people's houses etc. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was unusual that that had waited until the outpatient appointment, but obviously in Nurse Home's defence, he had gone and spoke to Dr Fusicala, they'd had a conversation and Dr Fusicala is the named responsible consultant and it was agreed that that was appropriate. Um, and our argument was that sure. it wasn't, but ultimately it was Dr Fusicala's responsibility to that at that point to intervene.
1: Yeah and I um, if I remember rightly and this is noted in the um in the decision so it's not on so disclosing anything which isn't already known but there was a case initially against um the uh, Mr Hume uh, with with respect yeah. to his actions or lack thereof and I suppose would would that have been primarily down to the fact that uh, Dr Vuzikala was in charge he was yes. calling the shots Ultimately,
0: the named consultant is captain of the ship. Mm -hmm. There's other support mechanisms in place, like CPNs, you know, in some cases, OT. um, But ultimately, it's the named consultant that is responsible. He is the captain of the ship. He is there to um, negotiate and implement a safe care plan, and it is Mm -hmm. his responsibility.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And uh, suppose the the question then becomes if, uh, a reasonably competent community psychiatric nurse in those circumstances would call that into question or sec- second guess a consultant. I, yeah. I suppose the answer to that was simply no. Uh, everyone would just yeah. um, follow the captain, as you as you as you put it. Yeah. Um, so, it, move, moving on from that point, so uh, Doctor Vizicala was was quite candid in his evidence with respect yes. to what was determined for for Lynette and. From my own observations of um of the evidence, I think that may well have been the turning point, although it's uh, having said that i think Dr muster's evidence seemed to have a significant impact on lord arson's mm-hmm. reasoning
0: yes
1: um i mean what what was quite interesting I noticed was um Dr. musafar had referenced the nice guidelines and i think i wasn't there an argument by the defenders that the nice guidelines We were, um, and I say (laughs) we, the pursuers, were were relying on, were dated August 2016, and the argument went that because they hadn't been fully implemented by the time of Lynette's um, Mm -hmm. suicide, they didn't apply?
0: Yes, yes. It was applicability. It's the first time I've seen um, in a Scottish case. The argument that NICE guidelines aren't directly applicable to Scotland because NICE guidelines, so NICE and SIGN work alongside one another, and mm-hmm. that if they're already covered in NICE guidelines, sometimes the SIGN guidelines won't cover them. And yeah. they're very much used by Scottish clinicians interchangeably, yeah. um, and in nearly every single medical negligence case. That I have NICE guidelines are, are lodged as a production and mm-hmm. it is um, good practice. Um, so it was unusual that that was the argument. And I think the other argument was that there wasn't enough time for Dr. Vizicala to digest this new guidance and um, implement it. But our argument was that the, the thinking behind the guidelines was very much already in practice um, mm-hmm. and NICE was just a formalisation of it. So really it was something that you should have already known in that having this condition makes you at an acute risk to suicide mm-hmm. and that um, anybody that's been discharged from a community psychiatric facility is at risk of suicide and an increased risk of suicide as to someone who hasn't been discharged from an inpatient setting. And mm-hmm. these were all um, accepted principles um, yes. and known within the psychiatric community. And that was our point. Yes, the nice was a formalisation. Yes, he might not have had time to read the, the guidelines in full, but at the same time, this was stuff that we already knew. It was news. Yeah, I wasn't yeah
1: and, and I suppose the analogy could be drawn where if a new piece of legislation comes into play, we can't turn around two months later, having breached it, <laughs> um, and say, well, I had not read it, so I wouldn't know. I mean, as yeah, a, as you, yeah. As you, I mean, as you well know, um, lacking knowledge of the law is not a defence.
0: No, no. I thought oh. that was quite funny because lawyers are held to a very high standard there, in the sense mm. that the responsibility is on you, um, yeah. and if you miss something, you miss something, um, and there's it's almost strict liability there. Well, um,
1: yeah. I mean, in the but, end, it's <clears> it's it's down to professionals. I and mean, you know, I I say this in a general sense that you you, you keep up to date with standards
0: mm-hmm. out, out mm-hmm. of your
1: profession. So it, mm-hmm. I I have to say I did find that an unusual line to take yeah. for the for yeah. the defenders. And especially when some some of the guidelines which were being, um, for lack of a better phrase, fobbed off by by the defenders was relating to the logistics of setting up a, a follow-up for Lynette, if I remember rightly. So the, these nice guidelines were saying that there should be this follow-up in seven days, but for particularly yep. bad cases like her, 48 hours. And... Um, I, I, I can't say I've seen the guidelines from before those, but was that omitted or was that already there? Why, why were they taking that view?
0: So I think because they hadn't been formalised in that way in terms of seven day follow up. It was always accepted that people who are discharged from an inpatient setting are at an increased risk to suicide. Mm-hmm. Um, and that there are certain chronic conditions that make you even more at risk. Um, to suicide, um, things like uh, postpartum psychosis, etc. Yes. Um, so there are certain conditions that are known to psychiatrists. But I think my understanding is that this was the kind of official formalisation of an agreement and a consensus within the community that a seven-day follow-up is appropriate. But obviously, our expert, Dr. Musters, said that this was already known in patients like Lynette. It was yes. just that the guidelines was extending this to everyone.
1: Yes. Yes. Um, and, I mean, the, and this is the. I mean, again, for practitioners, especially those who are not particularly experienced in clinag. Yes, there is a certain reliance on nice guidelines and sign guidelines, but they're not the they're not the be all and end all with regard no. to duty of care. In the end, no, that's no. You know,
0: so, yeah. So you can depart from nice guidelines if you have good clinical rationale and good right. clinical reasoning. Yeah. So they're not. Um, strictly enforced in terms of the strict liability if you don't um, follow them yes. um, but you do have to have a clinical reasoning so if we apply this to this case Dr Vuzakala didn't have good clinical rationale for yes. the departure and that is the crucial point if he was able to lead evidence on the fact that these are the reasons why I departed from this and there's a good clinical reason and that was supported by their expert that's a different story. But yes. he doesn't have that clinical rationale. Um, and that's what's so important. So um, for medical practitioners, yes, you have discretion, but you have to have good clinical reason to depart from what's acceptable practice.
1: Yes. And, and in the end, when, when the court's assessing these things, they are making reference to what, I mean, what a reasonably competent such and such would do in those circumstances, or if in England what a responsible body of such and such practitioners would do. And it seems clear to me that what ought to have been done with Lynette was already well established as responsible practice or reasonable practice. Yes. So as you say, the the NICE guidelines are reinforcing that as a... Mm
0: -hmm. Mm
1: just well yeah, as the standard to, to go by unless there's as you say any good clinical reason to avoid it i mean and from that perspective it's it's difficult to understand how the defenders could have come to any view on duty of care being breached or not when dr Vusikala didn't seem to have any rationale behind what he was doing other than um as i say they he seemed to be a bit swamped or there was a diarying issue yeah I mean
0: I I think our case was always going to be stronger on breach of duty. And mm-hmm. I, I, I never had serious concerns about that causation yeah. was, was was different. Yes. And I felt causation was this and if I was thinking like a defender would be the stronger aspect disputing mm-hmm. um causation because yeah. we have to accept that um suicide can be unpredictable yes. um, and cannot always be foreseen and we do not know what's going on in people's minds and and, and we yeah. cannot expect psychiatrists t- to know that um, mm-hmm. in all cases. Yeah. But we try to differentiate that in that there was a clear pattern emerging.
1: Yeah, this is it, and and I think that's one of the primary topics that arises from this decision. And you're, you know, you're you're absolutely right that psychiatrists, in the end, are not mind readers. They they are just giving people the means to try and manage their their emotions and and whatever else. And um, the typical defense and you know I can speak for both of us here I think that the typical defense in suicide cases will be well we couldn't possibly have known that yes. they were going to do this. Yes. I mean to to your mind what what do you think the significance of this decision is because I mean to my, to my mind I can't think of a more recent decision about causation in suicide claims and what's what's also very interesting in Lord Arthurston's decision is that he makes reference to a case that you were also um, <laughs> previously involved in, in Andrews yes, uh, versus yes. Greater Glasgow Health Board, that yes. causation should be t- addressed in a more common sense approach, as mm-hmm. opposed to just dressing up in all this medical terminology and legalities, yes. and which just confuses everyone. You miss yes. the wood from the trees, in other words. Yeah. Um, I mean, so so going back to the first point there. I mean this. The, the general significance of the case for suicide claims. I mean, what, what what's your view on that?
0: I think it was when, when when I saw Mr. Andrews' case being endorsed. I mean, that made that, that made me happy because obviously Mr. Andrews was my client, um, yes. and that also was a hard fought case. And I I felt um, I believe it was Lord Pentland's view right. um, on causation was common sense that it's impossible for the pursuers to you know, completely pinpoint that turning point, that moment, and then be able to categorise exactly what would have happened at what time exactly. Yes. That is setting up the pursuers for failure, because we don't have, you know, this is a hypothetical scenario that we're running on. We're running on the counterfactual. If competent care had taken place, what would that have looked like and what would have happened at this date? And there's only so far we can go. Um, Yes. And to say otherwise is completely unfair. We already have a very difficult test in Hunter and Hanley. You know, it's it's very difficult as a medical negligence practitioner to successfully prove these cases. Mm-hmm. Um, and causation can be a, a huge sticking point in that we have to show the counterfactual, we have to show what would have happened when. And that's difficult because obviously the experts that you're working with don't work in that health board. Yes. Um for obvious reasons, so they can remain independent. Mm-hmm. So I, 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 I was very pleased when I saw George Andrews' um, case being endorsed, and I think it's completely um, viable to do... An, to utilise a common sense approach because we're dealing with human life. We can't be completely exact in what we're saying, but what we're saying here is a pattern of behaviour has been established, it's documented. She has all these contact with agencies where she's deteriorating. Witnesses are giving evidence saying she's as worse as ever. We're so worried about her you know women's um lindsay McQueen from women's aid spoke very eloquently on this she was a yes. fantastic witness and she was an independent witness mm-hmm. i think she was actually the def- the, the it was a defender that led yes. mm-hmm. her as their witness
1: yeah, yeah that was yes. the curious feature of that one yeah. and um no and i, I completely agree i mean <laughs> it's just funny you, you you seem to be this trailblazer for common sense and medical negligence which can only be a good thing in the end it's um you and i both know that for a lot of these cases, they they fall at the hurdle of causation because of technicalities, more or less. Um, but I mean, in turn, I think this whole notion of common sense causation, I believe, derived from the McGee versus National Coal Board, which is, mm-hmm. as you as you'll remember, is a, is a um, asbestos related case, but. Yeah, no. I mean, um, long. I mean, from a pursuer's perspective, long may it lived. Obviously, defenders yes. won't won't like that. No, no uh, of course
0: um, they won't. Um,
1: you know, and I'm I'm not going to pretend I know how they feel about it. But uh, no, I, I I do feel that it's very important. And just from a general, more I suppose social aspect. I mean, do you think? I mean, this is complete conjecture on our part, I suppose. But decisions like this, do you think? Do you hope at least they may have some kind of impact on the provision of funds for for um, mental health services? I mean, we may be kind of um, <laughs> tiptoeing into politics by this point, but just 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 from an overview of these things, because I think Lynette's case to me is a vivid example of where that service is really struggling. Yeah, and unfortunately, poor souls like her are falling through the cracks. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, yeah.
1: Um, I mean, what do I, you think?
0: If this has a po- if this has a positive impact on any individual leaving a psychiatric facility, I would be over the moon, absolutely mm-hmm. over the moon. And if I can even indirectly impact positive change, I would love that to be the case. In practical terms, obviously, we can't pretend to know the resource. Restraints that the NHS must experience and mm-hmm. the difficulties that it must experience. It is a difficult job. You are on the front line um, dealing with very difficult and challenging situations. But yeah. I think it is a stark reminder as to what happens when you don't give good packages of care. I can see my wee one in the background. <laughs>
1: Making the star appearance, I see. Yeah, yeah,
0: yeah. Um, but yes, I think it's a stark reminder as to what can happen um mm-hmm. if you do not have robust support care packages. Um and anything yeah. that can be done to increase those care packages um is obviously going to be beneficial.
1: Yeah, yeah. I mean and the thing is this 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 case when it came out it was reported in the news, including uh, national news. And as you say, you can only hope that it has that positive impact of course everyone's feeling the pinch and um i'm not in a position to to say what should or shouldn't be done with that sort of funding but uh here's hoping because in the end mental health is becoming well i'd like to think less and less taboo
0: yes and
1: um people really shouldn't be feeling ashamed about coming forward over these things i mean we do get the odd inquiry where suicide is not the result um it could be the psychiatric injury, as you know, is a, um, quite quite often a, a head of claim. But uh, yeah, fingers crossed it makes makes that positive change. But at least you can say you've uh, contributed positively to that conversation, and yes. um, Lynette's death is not in vain in that respect. Um We've uh, we've discussed the, the the whole kind of common sense approach with uh, causation, and I think. <laughs> Yeah, I, I don't I don't think there's much more to be said. I mean, in fairness, Lord Arthurson himself doesn't really go into too much detail. He's what's interesting about his decision. It's quite quite um, quite brief for a case of that size and for yeah, how long. I think it's,
0: it's, like it's thirty six pages. Yeah. I like, think I think George Andrews was a bit sixty. I think. Mm-hmm, that's right. um, but then you know, in a in a strange way, even though it was a complicated case. The evidence came out in quite a straightforward way.
1: Well, the solution was simple in the end, wasn't it? Yeah. Mm-hmm.
0: So, you know, so. So I, I think he probably felt he addressed what needed to be addressed. Mm-hmm. Um, and obviously what I, I really liked about the judgment is it was a humane judgment. That's what on, one of my colleagues actually, one of our colleagues said, it's a very humane judgment. And I completely agree with his analysis mm-hmm. of it because the star of the judgment is being you know, tribute to her as a person
1: mm. and
0: humanising that there was a person in this process. She was important. She was of value. Yes. She was loved, and I think that was so important to hear that. Um, yes. even if we hadn't been successful, that was meaningful to the family. Um, and the yes. family appreciated that.
1: Yeah, yeah, and this is it. It's quite often these cases are quite often um cathartic for families, and um, again, you and I will both know that. When we get fatal inquiries like that, the families who come forward usually want to pursue it out of a point of principle more than anything. And obviously, we can do no more than get them compensation. But if it goes all the way like this, um, you know, that's I suppose that that's a good way of getting that sort of. I don't want to say revenge, it's not about revenge in any way, but it's at least they, they, they're, they're... It's about they're,
0: justice, it's about yeah, justice and it's about but, accountability and it's about someone yeah. listening to them and someone um, explaining what had happened and an independent forum looking at something and identifying mm. whether there's failures and whether that has materially contributed or caused that person's injury or death and I think that is really, really important because... Yeah. A lot of the time, the, the internal complaint processes are unsatisfactory for the family. Yes, so yes. For, for them to actually understand what has happened and what you know why it's happened, when it's happened.
1: Yes, and this is it. It's a, um, and that's again not not trying to um, step on toes or make anyone annoyed over this or come across as partisan, but it's often a complaint you do get from clients that the complaints process itself just didn't really help in the slightest and um, it's not particularly cathartic they don't know any more than they already do about what happened and why things were done mm-hmm. but um, I digress. Um, now I suppose I suppose the final point we could maybe go on to which is which I think is quite interesting arising wow. from this decision is the actual awards um, mm-hmm. made by Lord Arthurson. Now the in, 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 for those of you who are um, not so initiated in, in Scotland, we do sometimes have jury trials for these kinds of cases mm-hmm. and um, typically uh, you'll find juries will award more than what a judge would. However, in this case, uh, from what I can see and based on um, developing jurisprudence in this area, that gap appears to be closing.
0: What I would say is distinctive about this case is obviously um, with Mrs Patterson's award, her situation was fairly unique in mm. that um, she had a very physical manifestation of
1: That's right. yeah. stress
0: following what had happened. So I think hers is distinctive in that way, but yes, I think it's a, a move in the right direction. I'm always going to say that as a pursuer's solicitor. Sure. Um, and I think the argument... It, which is always put forward as you can't put a value on life. Yes, you cannot. But also at the same time, these figures shouldn't be nominal, because a lot of the time, you know, they've they've lost someone that's breadwinning, they've lost someone that was financially supportive of them. And also, good things can come out, monetary um, awards and um, mm-hmm. And there's positive things that can happen, and we're mm. often told, that, Craig, you know, that we're told after cases what happens. You know, certain people are able to do go on education courses, are able to do certain things with their life that they otherwise mm. wouldn't have been able to do. Because bear in mind, they've lost the society and guidance of someone, and right. that can have a real meaningful impact on someone's vocational um, opportunities, um, someone's ability to concentrate and, and engage meaningfully um, with work. Mm-hmm. So. A monetary award can help things get back on track as well. Um, Mm -hmm. So I don't think it's meaningless. Um, And I I think these awards should be reasonable um, and reflective of the losses that the person has experienced.
1: Well, absolutely. And the whole point of it in the end, as you know, is to put the person in the position they would have been had this all not happened. Now, Obviously, um, that cannot be fulfilled, Mm -hmm. you know, in a a physical sense. But, uh, yes, as you say, support... Opportunities lost. This, this is what this is what's achieved through these um, um, decisions, such as these. So, uh, I'm I'm certainly hopeful that um, Lynette's family are able to do what they can to move on from what was undoubtedly yeah. tragic.
0: I mean, we don't, we can't, we'll never heal the pain um, no. and the anguish and the, the harrowing experience that that they've had. We we we, we, we cannot resolve that for them, um, no. and we completely accept that. But I think it has been comforting to the family to know that justice has been served. And Mm -hmm. the fact that this judgment could help other people in their situation, I think has been really helpful and meaningful. Um, And obviously they they didn't want her to have died in vain. They wanted something good to come out of it. And I think this judgment has been a positive development in the law. Um, And I'm hopeful um, for other results like this.
1: Yeah, I, I I completely agree from a pursuer's perspective. Absolutely, and what I mean, in fairness, what I was somewhat fearful of with this with this decision from a pursuer's perspective was that there would be this um, contributory negligence argument, which came out in the Francis Hughes decision again, oh, one that we had some remember. involvement in. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, So yeah, no, you know, listeners, we. We are involved in the big ones, <laughs> but um, the, the, you, you know there was a bit of a um, backlash. Certainly, that amongst, was a hard day in
0: the office that day, that, wasn't it? That, that was.
1: I couldn't. I mean, I'm not going to go full pelt at uh, uh, Lord Clark. He, you know, he reached his decision based on what he felt was just. Um, albeit what he had said about contributory negligence in that case was a bit of a side note, uh, having mm-hmm. decided about. Um, the main points on negligence and causation mm-hmm. against um, Mr. Hughes' family, but um, for for those of you who have not, are not aware of the case, this that decision involved a, a gentleman who had uh, severe alcohol issues and uh, unfortunately died as a result of um, withdrawal symptoms causing a heart attack. Am I right in saying, Elizabeth? Um, I think it
0: was. Yeah, I think I think it was actually a cardiac arrest. I card, think. Yeah.
1: Mm-hmm. yeah, and. Lord Clark went on to say in that decision that the alcoholism, because it was, for all intents and purposes, self-inflicted by Mr. Hughes, he had contributed negligently mm-hmm. to um, his demise, which, from a human perspective, I thought was not particularly yeah. <laughs> nice I, to nice to I think read. it.
0: I, I think. My own personal view is that if you have an addiction issue and you're actively seeking help mm-hmm. that you should be admired and respected for that. The fact that mm-hmm. you've recognised that I I, I see it as a mental illness, a form of mental yes. illness addiction. That's my mm-hmm. own personal view. And I know some people would think that is not correct, Absolutely. Absolutely. but I see it as a form of mental illness. And I think if you identify that and you want to recover and you're actively engaged trying to cover I think that is admirable um, mm-hmm. and I think it should be respected because it takes an incredible addiction is unless you've experienced it I, I, I don't think people really understand the, the depths of of how difficult um, mm-hmm. and how low you can go in um, yeah. addiction and I think it takes a really really strong person to accept that they have a problem um, and to engage meaningfully in their recovery and um, so that, well, that's I've- my
1: that's my view. No, I, I, Absolutely, Elizabeth. And, and I think a similar, similar things can be said for mental health as well. And, um, you know, there's, there, there still is, unfortunately, taboo around it. But I think the world's again a bit more sensitive to these things and yeah. um, looking at it with certainly more sympathy and willingness to, to help, um, p- particularly with men my age and even younger. There's just this general reluctance to, to, to come forward and admit these things which, as you say, is the strongest thing you can do. Of course. Strong um,
0: vulnerability is a sign of strength, not weakness. Indeed. Indeed. Well put. But
1: um, you, you see, what I was wondering was whether the defenders might have taken uh, a similar view. Oh,
0: yeah, yeah. With, ah, well, with suicide. A- um, mm-hmm.
1: You know. <laughs> but they, they didn't, from what I remember, um, mm-hmm. which perhaps... I'm for, hoping, uh, as an indicator, that they they two kind of agreed that um, Lord Clark's view on that was maybe not particularly humane. Um, I mean, we time time will tell if such an argument is brought forward for a suicide case. But I would like, I hope, I would be very surprised if that came up.
0: Um, but
1: yeah, no, no, that's. Um, I think I do think that's worth pointing that because
0: you'll
1: get you'll get you'll sometimes get these arguments that a lot of these things are self-inflicted by those who who have suffered in the end and uh, you no know, me, mental health in the end you, you'll sometimes get people that don't help themselves with these things and don't, but that's because they don't come forward for the help unfortunately so but it should should hopefully cases like this lead to to better uh, outcomes for those um. Okay, well, um, I did. I did say we would. Um, well, it's not been me speaking. It's been uh, more. No, uh, it's been uh,
0: it's been collaborative. I can hear my wee one doing her alphabet. Just <laughs> 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 I'm trying to concentrate, but yes, uh, if I can hear her doing her alphabet.
1: Oh no, she's doing no, well from the sounds of it. it. <laughs> Um, on the, on that note Elizabeth, um <laughs> unless you've anything further to say no no, case, no no
0: no thank you for happy. inviting me on it's no
1: no thank you for taking the time and I know is what what is a very busy schedule to to <laughs> chat with me about this and um you know we'll we'll see what what more more comes to our doorstep on these things but yes. uh, no, thank you again and uh, no um again from a pursuer's perspective well done um good result for the for the clients in the end and uh yeah, well, thank you. Thank you. And uh, so thanks very much for those of you that listened into this one. Uh, today, I hope to, well, I, in fact, I intend to uh, draft a wee blog, I'm just explaining the decision in a bit more detail. And um, so if you want some more um, uh, comments with maybe a bit of case law, if you're so interested, Um, you can hopefully find that on our website in due course but uh, thank you again for listening or watching whatever format you're on and uh, we'll see you next time
0: head to our website lndmedilaw.com for more information